0: So, before we begin, then let's take a moment to chant the Namaskara, pay homage to the Supremely Enlightened One, the Perfect One, the Most Magnificent One, and continue with the sermon from there Namu (Santhes) tasse bhagavato arehato samma sambuddhase. Namu bhagavato arehato samma sambuddhase. Namu bhagavato arehato samma sambuddhase right this seems very un, unfamiliar it's been a while hmm? now I was reminded of very beginnings at, uh, where was that there was a era as I was worshiping the Buddha statue I was reminded this all of a sudden don't know why But it uh, kind of jogged my memory and brought back some fond memories of how this all started. And I think in the course of what now? Four, five years, something like that? We uh, We have come a long way. And by coming a long way, I don't necessarily mean the number of sermons we've done, because that is not a measure of success by any means. And I'm not going to be someday recounting the number of talks we've done and said, you know what, I've been a very successful monk, I've done so many sermons. It's not about quantity, it is about indeed. What quality are we talking about? Indeed. The qualities that we instill within ourselves. Something that I, I always try and emphasize with my listeners is that what we're learning is a philosophy and that philosophy is meant to make an internal transformation. Now this might sound really absurd or maybe very abstract to everyday coming and going but the I think once this begins to happen within you then you begin to understand what I'm what I've been going on about. That transformation, once it starts to happen, you will know what it is that I've I've been talking about. Because I know that, you know, I've been, as a young boy, I was listening to Dhamma sermons, you know, online and in person and meditation retreats and all that good stuff. But I can't say anything really happened internally. Now, I'm not gonna say that was the fault of whoever was doing the sermons. I think I just wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't ready for that. I just didn't have the, I just didn't have what it takes for that, you know, spark to ignite within me. And perhaps it is down to merits, partly. Perhaps it's down to coming across the right teacher. This it's all about Sasara and all that good stuff, right? This sansaric transactions that we bring forth. And, uh, you know, whatever, the environment wasn't ready for me to begin to feel the way I do today. And that's quite all right, because I, I feel there will be some among you for whom that change may have begun already, and there'll be some for whom that is yet to come. Therefore, the question is, how do you know if this is the right thing? Because there are so many out there. You know, like mushrooms, they just keep popping, right? Every other channel you find on YouTube is one where someone wants to share with you. Might not necessarily mean, mean Buddhism or be Buddhism, it will be some kind of philosophy. What they believe is right and you know, everyone has a right to free speech. So you know, provided what they're saying is not going to be detrimental to human, uh, humans and their existence and you know, social harmony and all that good stuff, You know, it doesn't matter. Provided someone takes the effort to share a message that harbors harmony, compassion, coexistence. Uh, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and people should do more of that. Enough of the hate speech and more of the love, care, affection, sharing, caring. Right? I think we need more of that. But how do you know that we are what we say we are? Because our motto is exclusively for aspirants of Nibbana. So how do you know that this is somewhere where you will be exposed to Nibbana? This is where this is somewhere you will be able to understand it. How do you know that? To understand that, you need to understand what nibbana is. That's when you know you found what you've been looking for. The thing is, most of the time, and it's true for anything, if you don't know what you're looking for, right, you can complete that sentence. If you don't know what you're looking for, how do you know when you found it? It can be staring at you in the face and you still wouldn't know, right? So first of all, we need to understand what Nibbana is. Nibbana can mean several things to people. For some, Nibbana is... People could say that it's... uh, It's the ability to focus your mind on one thing. Some people will think that that is what Nibbana is. Others will think that it is a teaching of the Buddha for people to live together happily and merrily and cheerfully. Because they say, you know, the Buddha was an ambassador of uh, human virtues and values. And, you know, sometimes people think he was much like Mahatma Gandhi. You, know, you can't fault them for that because, you know, they are not saying that Buddha was like Hitler, right? So Mahatma Gandhi symbolizes, you know, tolerance and uh, non-violence. And, you know, when you look at the Buddha's life, you will see aspects of that quite a bit. So to think, you know, when you understand the Buddha in the same light as Mahatma Gandhi, then it would be reasonable for someone to think that they both came into this world to give the same same message. Then there'll be others who think, well, there have been lots of philosophers or religious leaders who have come into this world and they've established various religions and the Buddha was someone like that and he came into this world and he established Buddhism. Now like we have Christianity, like we have Islam, we have Buddhism, Hinduism, right? So that was his purpose. And while I don't believe it's my duty to debate any of that, I'm I, there's a personal journey on which I came. So I can only share with you what I feel, what I believe and my personal journey and, and hope that some of that may be of relevance to you. I don't say that you should all walk the same path as I did. But I feel it is my duty to share with you what I have found as the path to happiness. I I, I keep going on about this one word, happiness. And those of you who've been listening to these talks will know that's the one thing I keep going on about, like beating a dead horse. Happiness, 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 happiness. That's all I'm after. Because the truth is, as my teacher always reminds me, people in this world, they're not after wealth. Would you believe it? They're not after wealth. They're not after property, they're not after titles, they're not after respect, fame. They're not after any of those things. What they're after is happiness. Would you agree with me? Yeah. So why is it then when you look at it superficially, it seems like people are going after all sorts of different things when underlying there's just one thing? It's because they believe that is the path to happiness. So now that tells us then that they're all means to an end. What end? Happiness. You see, just look at yourselves in the mirror and you'll see, and I can as I can see from here. You wear your hair differently. Do you know that? Some of you have short hair, some of you have long hair. Hmm? Some of you have curly hair. Some have no hair. Yeah? Look at me. I used to have that. But it didn't make much difference after I shaved. <laughs> what little hair I had. was Not a lot more than I do now. Right? And uh, so these are what you can see right now. Think about the way you dress. I mean, today as you've come to the temple, there's a certain attire that you would have But, you know, if you go to a party, if you stay at home, go out, you know, you'll dress yourself differently. And sometimes that difference is what you're after as well. Think about the cars you drive. Think about your homes. Among you will be friends. And you know that that person's home is different to mine. The way they like to decorate, inside and outside. The places that people like to go. This is one thing I you know, shared with you right at the start of this, when I started to think about what some of these differences are, why is it that one guy goes to holiday in one country, when people natives of that country leave that country and go to another country on holiday? Makes absolutely no sense, does it? If Singapore is where everyone should be going on holiday, then what do the Singaporeans do? Isn't that right? So. When we begin to ask ourselves, why is it that people do these things? And why should we ask this question? Because we have nothing better to do? No, because we are after happiness. Are you all in agreement that that is the one thing that you need? If if somehow I could give you the formula, the magic formula of happiness, will you stop asking me for things? Huh? If I gave you the magic formula for happiness, will you then at least then stop going to... Restaurants, try out different you know types of food, and you know go traveling, and go to the you know to the, the boutiques, and you know buy stuff, and you know do all sorts of things. You know, pick up new hobbies and watch films. You must agree that all of this is for one reason, right? Happiness. Buddha's ambition of coming to this world was that. He is not a religious leader. Let's get that straight. He did not come into this world to establish a religion. Recently, I had the good fortune of talking to a fine young gentleman, and I was explaining to him, sir, because he wants to come and spend some time with us as a anagar uh, a brief stay, but I, I explained to him, because his folks are a little bit concerned that perhaps he might decide to stay for good. <laughs> yes, Radha sir, if that does happen, right? What I explained to him is, Sir, what you see as a difference between you and I, you know, you're in, he was dressed in white, full hair of head. You see a stark difference between you and I. I'm in a robe, I have no hair on my head, I eat in an arms bowl, you eat on a plate. Please don't think that the Buddha's purpose of coming to this world was to establish that. That is not what Buddhism is. That is a religion. The only reason I'm dressed in a robe right now, and believe you me, the only reason I'm in a robe right now is because that is what I'm supposed to do. I don't care, and I don't mean any disrespect by saying that. I couldn't say this in sinhala trust <laughs> me, if I did I would be doing sermons from there. <laughs> Fortunately we don't have many English speaking friends. <laughs> Okay, so I, I don't care about what dress I should be in. I don't care about the fact that I, I have to have a shaved head. I didn't come into Buddhism or leave my life behind to adhere to another lifestyle. I came to this sasana as you have done. You have come to the sasana just as I have. Yes, of course, I do invite you to come and try and make the next step. I often say that. I always invite you and encourage you to do that. And as soon as the time is right, please, please do what you can to come and join us and join our camp. That's not because I want to build an army. It's because there's a certain lifestyle that people expect of us. And this makes achieving our purpose all that much easier, all the more easier. Why? Because as a layperson, no one was going to give me a free meal. As a layperson, no one was going to give me a shelter or treat me when I was ill. I don't do this because you worship me. I don't care for that. Because receiving a worship does not make me happy. It's not because... You know, uh, it's not because I receive anything from someone that I have come here. The only reason I'm in a robe today is because I want one purpose and I'm willing to do anything that takes me there as soon as possible. And I know that this also is a means to that end. I have not become a monk to always remain a monk. I don't ever want to become a monk again. Can you believe that, coming from a monk? <laughs> Did you say that? Loud <laughs> say that again? <laughs> yes, I'll say that again. I don't ever want to become a monk again. To be honest, I don't ever want to become anyone again. That is why I became a monk. Become a monk is not the external transformation. I didn't have the luxury of spending an entire day with a teacher who was able and had the time to teach, to teach me the truth about this world as a layperson because as a layperson i had lots of duties and obligations and responsibilities and yes i might have been one of the first people to come across deshaghatuma many years ago but even that i only got to talk to him once a week that wasn't enough Then we exchanged phone numbers and he used to ring me, you know, every other day and we used to have chats on the way to, on my commute. He used to ring me and give me advice and I used to ask him questions, right? That wasn't enough either. Because the more I listened to it, the more I realized, you know, this is what I'm after. The purpose of my pursuit was always the same as I was trying to share with you in last week's talk. It's not the object of the pursuit that is important, it's the purpose of the pursuit. The things that we just talked about a moment ago, these are all objects that people pursue. Wealth, riches, car, you know, men, women, wives, husbands, children, travel, all those things. These are objects of pursuit because they believe that it leads them to their purpose. And the shame of it is, it seems that way. None of you are fools, you're all intelligent people. The reason that you've been following this life as you have been doing in your, in your lay lives is because you were absolutely convinced, correct me if I'm wrong, you were 100% convinced that whatever you were up to was going to give you happiness. No? Yes. You would have done it otherwise. I, I'm not prepared to think that you are fools. I'm prepared to think that you're ignorant, but I'm not prepared to think that you're fools. That is why, when shown the truth, you're willing to consider, and if it makes sense to you, accept it. You know what? This is the same thing you've been doing throughout your lives. That's why you don't do what you did when you were six years old, when you're sixty. Back when you were a child, you played with toys, Do you still do that? Yes, but they're bigger toys now. (laughs) That's why back then you used to play with dolls. Do you do that now? Yes, only they're alive now. (laughs) But you don't do exactly the same thing. You do something a little bit different. But behind all that was one purpose. The, con- the conviction, the conviction that that was going to make you happy. So, if your purpose of life is not happiness, then you should please stand up and leave now. Because I have nothing else to share with you. I'm not here to ordain you. Relax. I'm not here to shave your heads. I'm not here to don a robe on you, over you. Right? I'm not uh, asking you to... So, you know, have your meals on Pindapatha, anything like that, you're an arms round, I'm only here to give you happiness. The good thing is, that is what you're asking, that's what you've been asking for, that's what you've been looking for. The very fact that you're here today to listen to this talk is proof, I'm sorry to say that you still haven't found it. <laughs> There are those among you in the audience who are who may be twice my age. I'm now 35. There may be those among you who are my age, and there may be those among you who are a little bit younger. Regardless of age, throughout that year, throughout those life, years of your being alive, you have done one thing, and that is done what you thought was right to achieve happiness. Yes or no? Yes. If you took a piece of paper and a pen and started writing, you know this is what I've done in my life. Today you may be you may have regrets. yeah You may have regrets about some of the things that you did. But if you take yourself back to the time when you did it, you'll agree with me that at that time that seemed like the right thing to do. You are not fools, only ignorant. At that time, it felt like the right thing to do. This is the same reason why you're here right now, because now it feels like this is the right thing to do. What I'm also saying is, it may be tomorrow you feel this is no longer the right thing to do, so you might go elsewhere or maybe get back to your old lives, just carry on doing you know, the, the usual stuff that you're used to. Am I not okay with that? What can I do? I can't put a gun to your head and say, do this. No, they'd lock me up. I can't beat you. I can't beat this into you. You see, it doesn't work like that. People say that we brainwash people. Oh, how little do they know about Buddhist philosophy. (laughs) You cannot be brainwashed to accept this truth. It's impossible. How can I brainwash you to accept the truth? I can brainwash someone to accept something that is a lie. But I can't brainwash you to accept the truth. <laughs> Isn't that so? Yeah. There are there are there are there are parents who don't like to send their children here. Perhaps some of you were some of them back in the day. Maybe today you have changed. I have a lot of respect for them. Swami Nasa, that doesn't add up. You have respect for parents who don't want to send their children here? Surely it should be the other way around. No. I have an equal amount of respect for parents who don't want to send their children here because they know that this is the truth. That's why they don't want to send them here. (laughs) Because they know that their child is not a fool. They know that their child is only ignorant. So when presented with the facts, when presented with the truth, you cannot help yourself from accepting the truth. It's not something I force on you. I just give you the truth. If it is the truth, it seems like the truth, take it. If not, Ignore it. And continue to be ignorant. <laughs> Some might think that I'm ignorant. There are people who ask this question of us. Swami so, Nanasa, mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, you know, did you not have a good life? Money problems, Swami so Nansa. Mean, no or was it love problems? Relationship issues, so I mean, no Swaminons. What was it? What was it? What what took you here? What brought you here? So they think that I'm ignorant. So what do I do? Beat the ignorance out of them? No. See, this is the this is both a blessing and a curse. As I tried to explain to you in one, either last week's or the weeks before, talk, The thing with ignorance is, when you have it, you don't know you have it. Yes. Thank you. You, you'll, you. You'll always know what you know is right. If it's the truth, then you are a wise man. If it's not the truth, then you are an ignorant man. But you will never know that you are ignorant. Because you're not going to hold something as true when you fully well know that it is not true. It is impossible if you know that this is a fan you can keep chanting day and night every day all day long that this is something else but inside you know no this is a fan you cannot convince yourself otherwise i want to try and what i'm trying to tell you folks is this is what i love about buddhist philosophy it is such a free philosophy there's nothing you have to do Because there are no have-tos here, there are no musts, there are no shoulds, there is, if you do this you will get this, if you don't do it you won't get this. What you do is what you get. It's just cause and effect. When there's a philosophy of cause and effect, who must follow it? Hmm? No one. That's why the Buddha was one of the most... well. In my opinion, the most, but just to keep, just to be on the safe side, let's say one of the most liberal thinkers that mankind has ever seen. He never forced his philosophy on anybody, because it is not something that can be forced upon anyone. Then it will not be the truth. I mean, if I'm if I'm trying to talk to you about freedom, how can I force it on you? There's, nothing could be more ironical, right? You I'm talking about freedom and I don't give you the free choice <laughs> huh? nothing could be further from the truth. So what is the truth? That is what we need to get on next. What is the truth? There are lots of things that are true. For example this is a fan that is the truth. It matters not whether you accept it or not. If you were to think that this is a piano. You try and play it, it's not going to make a a noise. It's not going to make that sound. If you think this is an item of food, try chewing it. The only thing you're going to have it, you're going to break your teeth. But if you try and do what you think is possible from a fan, then you will realize that actually, ah, this must be a fan. See? That feels good. That is one way to check whether something is what you think it is, right? Try and do with it what Can be done with it or what people say is possible with it and see if it brings you results. Do you see how how free Buddhism is? How much of a liberal philosophy this is? Try and do with it what the teacher or the philosopher claims is possible with it and see if it brings you results, if that is the result you're after. How do you know money is money? coins, notes. How do you know money is money? Apparently, right? Apparently, people say you can buy stuff with it. Right? How do you convince yourself that money is money? You go to the shop. You put the money on the table. There's my 20 rupees. You can't buy anything for 20 rupees today. Not even a 20 rupee note. So there's 200 rupees, 2000 rupees, whatever. What can you give me for that? The fact that you can exchange that for something you want, then you go and check the definition, what is money? There'll be a textbook definition of that, right? It's, uh, it's something that can be used to exchange value. Okay, so you've just done that. Ah, so then it must be true that this is money. Now, why am I saying this? Where else should we apply this concept? Of course, not just Buddhism, Absolutely anything. Think about the things that you've done in your lives, which you accepted were paths to happiness. And ask yourself the question, in doing them, did you achieve it? So then you don't need to ask me, so I'm in answer. The things that I've been doing, are they the right things to do? If it is happiness that I'm after, you don't need to ask me that question. I'm not here to catch your fish for you. I'm not a fisherman but I'd like to share with you how to catch your own fish. So then it does not matter if you don't come tomorrow because it is not my objective to bring as many people as possible and fill this hole up. I'd much rather you didn't come (laughs) with no disrespect to anyone because then I have to shave. Ask how Swami says, I only shave the day before a sermon. <laughs> or oh, if I have to come and talk to someone, then I have to come down uh, and leave my the kuti and come down and, you know. So I'd much rather you didn't come. But then again, there's a part of me that wish you did come. You, you, that you came because then I can I can do my duty because I, I feel you know there's there's something that I need to give you because I feel that I'm bound to you by duty because of our connection because I know I know these things now that I, that I didn't long ago I didn't believe in this reincarnation I didn't believe in a rebirth and I'm not asking you to believe them either right there's a I didn't believe it just because someone said so this can be proved through the Dhamma which we will do in due course? If if, if it's the mind that arises and passes away, what is the reason that when it stops arising in this body that it cannot in another body? Hmm? So these are questions that once we try to find some answers will lead to a conclusion. What that conclusion is, I don't need to tell you now. You can come to your own conclusions. As I said, I'm not here to catch your fish for you. I'm only here to actually get you to ask the right questions. Sometimes, students come up to me and say, Swaminas, I have a problem. Believe me, sometimes I spend 30 minutes with them, 20 minutes with them. At the end of that, they walk away saying, I found the answer. And you know what? All I did was ask questions. Why do you think this is the way it is? And they give me an answer. But what about that one? Why do you think that is the way it is? Then they give me an answer. Now what you said now does not tally with what you said earlier. So, why do you, why do you think there is a mismatch? Again, another question. All I've asked is what, why, when, how, who, right? which? Open questions, yeah. And they find their own answers. That is the method of Buddhism. In fact, that is a scientific method. So, what is the truth? As I said, a lot of things can be true. There are conventional truths and there are absolute truths. I'm not interested in making that distinction just yet. Conventional truths are truths that help us to live a comfortable life while we are alive. right For instance, you need to drive on the left-hand side of the road. In some countries you need to drive on the right hand side of the road, yeah yeah and when you jump when you uh, cross the road you need which way is it? right, left, right yeah okay right, left, right. I can't remember. <laughs> It's been a while since I crossed a road that had any traffic on it. Ah. How I wish the same for you. I'm teasing you. I'm wicked like that. So, you know, those are conventional truths. Those conventional truths, if we adhere to and abide by, we can live a comfortable life without getting into all sorts of problems without spending a precious life in hospital. Yeah. So those are conventional truths. There are also other truths which enable us to achieve our purpose of pursuit. Those are the absolute truths. Why are they referred to as absolute truths? Let me answer that question. It's because it is the thing that absolutely everyone's looking for. Not everyone's gonna be interested in which side of the road you drive, for example. But both you and I, all sentient beings, be they, be they beings you can see, beings you cannot see, whether they exist or not, right? Be, be, they, be it a man or a, a woman, a child or an adult, matters not. Absolutely everyone is after one thing, and that is how do I achieve happiness? Therefore, the path to happiness and that which keeps you from achieving that happiness, whatever those factors are, these are the things that are contained within an absolute reality, an absolute truth. So the Buddha teaches what he calls the absolute reality, the absolute truth, and he talks about the things that truly exist. The Buddha's teaching is that We are all by default actually happy, in fact that in itself should give you a sigh of relief. Can I ask you a question? First I want you to think of the answer before you spurt it out. Are you happy or how are you these days? Okay, so think about the answer because you'll have lots of different answers. How are you doing these days? A very common response to that question is trying to be happy. Actually, if you take the singular version of that, it, it it's more common. Right? Trying to be happy. Or actually, if I translated it word for word, it would be something like that. I'm making happiness. Or making something to be happy. I'm gonna give you the singular word because otherwise you know you're wondering what the heck I'm going on about. Satuting in Right? So, for our non native listeners, word for word, that would be translated as fabricating for the purpose of happiness. Right? Making something or producing something for happiness. See, the thing is, that is the problem. (laughs) The problem is, you're trying to be happy. If only you stopped trying. If only you stopped trying, you would be happy. Now, that's why I say, this is with you. It's been there throughout your lives, throughout your existence. The answer has always been with you. Happiness has always been with you. It's just that you didn't know it was with you, therefore, you went looking for it. What happens when you sometimes wear your glasses on your forehead? Where are those glasses? Huh? So you know what I'm talking about, right? Especially those who, <laughs> who are like me. Those <laughs> you wear your glasses on your head and you go looking for them. Some of you may have spent minutes to hours, maybe even half a day, looking for your glasses. Isn't the answer right by your side? Happiness is just like that. It's with you, but you just don't know it. So you go looking for it. All the things you do, trying to look for happiness, searching for happiness, on the quest for that happiness is exactly what you need to stop doing and you will achieve happiness. Now you'll have a question for me. But, 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 so I'm If that is the case, what are you doing? If you're telling us that all you need to do is to stop doing what you're doing to find happiness, what, what are you doing? You could have done that in your lay life. Why did you ordain? Why are you, why are you learning the Dhamma? Why are you practicing the Dhamma? Why are you meditating? Why are you doing all these things? If all you have to do is stop doing it. The thing is this, we've been doing this thing, what thing? Looking for happiness. For so long, it has become second nature. It's so difficult to stop doing it. We are not used to not look for happiness. So we feel we must always look for it. And here's the problem. This is quite subtle, but I'm sure you can understand if you only pay attention. When you believe that something that you're about to do brings you happiness, it gives you an expectation. Now you're expecting, right? You're expecting that the next thing I'm going to do is going to make me happy. That very expectation is what destroys your happiness. Yeah. So the moment you expect something's going to make you happy, you have just sacrificed your happiness. Because until that expectation comes true, you are not happy. Do you see? So subtle. It's like threading a needle, it's not difficult but it's it's not complicated, it's subtle. It's not rocket science. Anyone can thread a needle, but not anyone can thread a needle. (laughs) Because it's very subtle. You need a lot of patience. You need to be calm. You need to take your time. You need to focus on the little things. You need to look up close, not far afield. There's a lot of introspection, looking on the inside, looking closer to you. Closer to home is where the answer is, not out in a, out in the field. But where do people keep exploring? Outside, so much so that they're not in, they're not happy with this planet now. They want to look for answers outside this planet, outside this solar system. You know, every other day we get some news about astronomers and. Uh, they, you know, they've discovered something new, and you know the next next big project where they're going to be spending millions and billions is to find out whether life exists on those planets. It's not whether life exists or not that these people are after. They're after happiness, but they don't know it. They think finding the next planet where there's going to be life, maybe they are happy. <laughs> Can you believe it? Perhaps if we found a being on Mars. What if he's happy? Maybe we could just ask him. You know, think about in your childhood, right? When you met someone, a friend that you know at school or someone, you know, usually you get to know the other person, right? You're getting to knowing the other person is not just because not just to satisfy your curiosity. It's to find out what does what might be some of the things they're trying to keep themselves happy. Perhaps I could try some of them. Because at at the end of that conversation, you will walk away having made plans to try out some of those things. Yes or no? Of course. Social gatherings, get-togethers, business, what do you call them? Cocktails. Do's. You you come together, talk to someone, find out about them. Uh, Networking, as you know, fancy words. You know, you network. Why do you network? Hey, what are you up to? What are you doing these days? I remember that, you know, my life. (laughs) And I I asked myself, why did I do those things? Because at the end of that conversation, I'd walk away thinking, you know, that's what I need to be doing. So I find a guy who's working in some other company. And then he tells me all that's good about that company. He never tells me what's wrong with it unless, you know, he really trusts you and really wants to do what's good for you, he'll tell you what's really good about it because he's not going to come and wash his dirty laundry in public because, you know, that will make him feel this small in front of you. So he doesn't want to do that. He wants to, he likes to feel that he's one better than you. So he'll come up to you and say, you know, I'm in this company, I'm doing this, this and this. And you will walk away thinking, maybe that's where I need to go next. Or maybe this is the next project I'll be working on. You can't fault people for this because they all believe that they, what they're doing, genuinely they believe that it is what makes them happy. Ignorant. Yes. Not a fool. Just an ignorant. Just just an... I, I feel like saying an ignorant fool. But... No, just ignorant. Not fools. A fool is someone who's content. You may have come across expressions where you know... The complete opposite of this. A, a content man is a wise man. I'm not talking in that sense. Yes, a content man is a wise man, contentment is bliss and all that stuff. I'm talking about someone, you know, imagine someone who's doing not the right things. They they go on just doing the you know the, the usual stuff and he's simply content. Yeah, you know, I'm not interested in any other thing. I'm just happy the way I am. i just you know just carry on doing the same old stuff. Ups and downs of life, you know, this is the way it is good times and bad times, yeah, this is alright, I would class that person a fool. Because what he or she has done is entirely shut himself or herself off of other options. Can you believe me when I say, when I tell this to you, that yes, I am an avid follower of Buddhist philosophy, but if today you can present to me another philosophy which is better, I will drop all. accept that. Even when it comes to Buddhist philosophy, I'm not fixed on that. If you can prove to me, convincingly, that there is another philosophy, something that the Buddha missed, maybe some other philosopher discovered that, I'm prepared to accept it. I'm always open-minded. Guru Hanra asks me to be that way. He says, you know, I may be your teacher, but forever be open-minded. Forever be willing to consider new ideas. Because what if the day comes where I tell you something and that is not true? And if you just like a parrot would just memorize what I'm saying and then start, you know, living that life. I may not do it out of uh, spite or to, to, to destroy your life, but I might do it because I'm ignorant myself, he says to me. So always remain a good student. Never a follower, and he wants that from all of us. He wants that from you as well. How many times by now has he said in those sermons, if at some, if, if at some point you 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 believe or you you begin to think that what he's saying is not true, then please walk away. Even last week he said, and "If I start saying some of these things, then please understand that Guru Chandru has gone insane." Did he not? Yeah, only last week he said that. See, always open, because that is the name of the game, to keep yourself open, to keep yourself free. So, truth. There are conventional truths and there are absolute truths. Absolute truths are truths that we all, all of us absolutely need, because that is the purpose of our pursuit. The Buddha teaches us that we are, by default, happy and it is the things that we do to try and be happy that takes away our happiness, that puts us into suffering. If I were to tell you that those flowers are the next best thing and you need to have them in your homes. get some of them, they're they're just lovely, they're wonderful, they smell so sweet. Now if you accept what I just told you, what I've just told you, you will then want them. You were happy until now. Until I said those words to you, until you accepted those words, you were happy. And now I've just said, you know, if you got those flowers, you'd be happy. Now you can't rest until you've gotten them. Therefore. You go and now you have to start this motor. Now you have to start yourself up. Ignite yourself, right? How can I find those flowers? Where can I get them from? Now you'll have to come and ask me. So I'm gonna say, where can I find them? And if I'm not ready to speak to you, then you have to come begging me. I'm giving you pointers, right? Think about where else you have gone begging for for happiness. Please, 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 please make me happy. Shame on you. You know, I, I, I want to free people, <laughs> young, young boys, young girls, right? How often do they go and beg happiness at someone else's feet? People will say, oh, so romantic. Oh. I say, oh, so ignorant. Everywhere I look, all I see is evidence that this is just madness. It's not that I have anything against love. It's not that I I try to propagate hate or anything, I don't like people to live in happiness and you know, it's not that I don't like people to love, you know, love your friends, love your, you know, your, your spouses, your, you know, it's not that. I'm just saying, you know, think about the truth. See, for two people to come together, there's a requirement, a very basic requirement, and that is the two of them should be unhappy. Prove me wrong if you can. I'm all yours. If you prove me wrong, I'm all yours. I'll come now. That's a basic requirement. For two people to decide to live together, they must both be unhappy. Because they're both unhappy, they're looking for the next opportunity. To be happy. Well done, sir. <laughs> what you can't think, you can't think. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, if you, if you don't have the facts, then you, you can't help being ignorant. That is why you need the Kala Navata with regards to anything, that is why you need a teacher. Someone who has seen the truth so that they can now share the truth with you. But in an era, in a time and a day when there's there are teachers who have seen this truth, I think we owe it to all of us to find that truth. You know, at a time when we have so much access to information, we have access to all sorts of philosophies. That's why I say the only person I would deem a fool is someone who has closed his options and said that is it, I'm no longer willing to consider anything else because it might be that the next person he's due to meet is the Buddha. What a shame that would be. I'm prepared and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself. I am prepared to accept another teacher but they have to show me that what they have to say is the truth. I am prepared to disregard the Buddha if they can convince me that they have a better philosophy. So I am not a follower of the Buddha. Let's get that straight. And I don't want for you to be that either. Forever be students. When you are students, you are not students of anybody. You are a student of a doctrine, you are a student of a philosophy. So even if the person who's sharing that with you gets it wrong at some point, if the philosophy is what you hold yourself accountable to, then you will continue to be a student of that philosophy. When the Buddha passed away, the great elder Ananda went up to him and asked him, Pandval sir, upon your passing, who should we consider our teacher? What did he say? Indeed. Indeed. That is the doctrine. He never said x person, y person, the other person, that person. So what he said was consider the Dhamma as your as your teacher. There are lots of ways in which though that people share this Dhamma with you. Now that's why Guru Hanra always says, find one teacher and follow that path. What he's saying is actually not to find one person what he's saying is each person will have a different method of practicing that path. Stick to one path, but keep your options open. But don't keep trialing stuff if you are convinced that you have found one. But that doesn't mean you should not remain open and considerate to others. See, I have a teacher. My teacher is Guru Hamdur. But if someone could come and convince me that... There's a better way of doing this. And it's not this way. I'm willing to consider it. So, you know, with open arms, I'm willing to prepare, I'm prepared to have anyone come and question. I don't mean I'm up for debating with stuff. That I'm not interested in that. What I'm saying is, if, if someone with, with, with goodwill and intention, if someone wants to help me out genuinely and comes and says, you know, so I'm going answer what you're preaching. There's something wrong with it. What your teacher is trying to share with you, there's something wrong with it. In fact, this should be this and not that. The first thing I'm going to do is take that and go to my teacher and say, Swaminwansa, Guru Andhra, you know, I've just been introduced to this idea and that doesn't sit well with what you've been teaching me. What do you think he's going to do? Kick me? Ask me, how dare you? Traitor? <laughs> if he were to say that, is he deserving to be my teacher? No. I'm not looking for a shepherd, because I'm not a sheep. I'm a human being and I can think. So going back to that boy and girl, two people can only start to live together if they're both unhappy right at the beginning. And as a fine gentleman just said, and therefore forever will be. <laughs> but how is that so? Don't just take it because I say so. Because a guy goes and goes and asks or begs the girl, "Please make me happy." You know, at her feet, that is what she. What that is what he says. Please make me happy. Why does the girl say okay? <laughs> yes, because she wants the same doesn't she she'll ask a question though before he, she says okay because she gives her, uh, her consent if I say yes will you and let's get that list out <laughs> shopping list because <laughs> I went to the last shop and they didn't have some of this <laughs> might you have right, let's take some of those things right, will you give me this I will will you give me that I will. Will you give me this? I'll try. Hmm. Come back tomorrow. If they say yes, 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 after they've tried a few options, you know, the closest fit, they say, yes, I will. But you need to understand that this is a transaction. I'll scratch your back, if you scratch mine. Meaning, they weren't happy to begin with. Someone who is happy doesn't need another person in their life to make them happy. So for someone to say, come to me and I will make you happy, is an absolute fallacy. Why does he say, come to me then? If he's got happiness, why is he asking someone to come into his life? Yeah, again I, I emphasize this point. I am not trying to break people up and destroy people, people's lives right? or trying to spread hatred among people and you know it's not now for you to go back and think about your husband's or wives. You! You cheated! You said you were going to make me happy and you were lying all along. This is not for that. Remember they didn't do it intentionally. Because they thought that was the right thing to do. They sacrificed a part of their life for you because you were willing to sacrifice a part of your life for them. So it made sense, didn't it? If you have something that I've got and I've got something that you want, sorry, if you have something that I want and I have something that you want, well, let's, let's why not? We come together and we share. You can make me happy and I can make you happy. In economics we call that business, that's okay, I mean we don't need to try and stop all that now, what we need to do is to understand that. Philosophy is to understand, convention is to live by. So even if you did understand what, what I'm sharing with Jan, you, you are as yet so fortunate to be unmarried, right? and you are planning on getting married, then I I say, you know, that's fine. Go ahead. It's fine. But please go into that knowing what you're stepping yourself into, getting yourself into. Because that way, your happiness cannot be taken from you. I'm not here to advocate either marriage or not getting married or anything like that. I'm an advocate of happiness. That is what I want to be known When I'm done and gone, I don't want you to be thinking, you know, Swami said, preached and he stopped me from getting married or he broke my marriage. No, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me get it on the record. That is not my purpose. That is not what I'm here for. That is not what I want to do. All I want you to do is to empower yourselves so that your happiness cannot be touched. It is not dependent on someone else. It cannot be taken from you. Be that your your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your colleagues, your boss, your servants, anyone, not even I. Don't let me make you unhappy. I wouldn't want to, but why do you trust me? So this is why we talk about this. What is, it, what is it we talk about? Happiness is with you. It's with you, like those spectacles that you wear on your forehead. It's with you, so stop looking for it. You will only accept when someone says, these are beautiful, if you are someone who's looking for happiness. Otherwise you won't. You cannot do whatever you, there's nothing you can do to convince an arahant that beauty exists on the outside because someone who's happy cannot be made happier. You can't send him on a rat race. You can't send him on a pursuit of happiness because he's already achieved it. You can't tease him. He's already found what he's looking for. To do that, all he's done was stop looking and he realized it's there. Dukkha or suffering is a fabrication. It does not exist until you make it. How about that? Dukkha is not natural, it's unnatural. Yes, of course, it is based wholly in the principle of cause and effect. Without causes, there is never going to be any Dukkha. That is why a Buddha comes into this world and teaches us what those causes are, and therefore the path to their eradication, and therefore the eradication of suffering, or Dukkha. But, nonetheless, Dukkha does not exist unless you fabricate it. You have to create it. Once you create it, you can do all sorts of things to relieve yourself from it. Give me one word for that. Life. One word for that is life. First, create something that does not exist, or in other words, light a fire and do everything you can to put it out. Why does this philosophy empower you? Now think about it. If this is what Buddhist philosophy is about, how is it that this this knowledge can empower you? Because it makes you independent on other things, other people, other entities. Even divine entities. You even become independent of the teacher. That's at one point. Once you understand this, you are independent. Because the Dhamma or your understanding becomes your teacher. Therefore, you are no longer bound to me. Look at all the things that people do. People who have not understand, understood this truth. Look at all the things that they do, even in the name of religion. I'm not mocking them, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not mocking them, I'm simply saying, look at them. In the name of happiness, they believe that they need to make someone else happy so that in turn they can be made happy. They believe that someone else holds the key to their happiness. Forever they will be dependent. Forever they will be dependent. And the problem with dependence is someone else calls the shots. When they say jump, you are a jump. But people are all about freedom. You know, they, they, they'll, they'll go and strike for it. They'll go and picket for it. They'll protest. Give us our freedom. That's why we talked about. The freedom of choice is what people are after. But what they're not interested in is the choice of freedom. People want to be able to make choices. Like look at the menu card that you get when you go into a restaurant. You wouldn't go into a restaurant that only had one item on the menu. You go into a restaurant, there are 20, 30, 50 things on it. Wow, they've got a lot of choice. I'm free to make my choices. So much so that we don't like people restricting us to choices. We don't like people limiting our choices. We want to be able to make lots of choices or at least have lots of options to make our choices. But which one of those is the choice of freedom? The only choice of freedom can be the truth. The truth is the choice of freedom. Happiness is by default, only thing you can do is to destroy your happiness completely by fabricating suffering. And how does that happen? It's when you begin to think that happiness exists on the outside or in something else or it is something that you have to get from someone else. The moment that you accept that, you begin to start expecting. That's why expectation is the biggest culprit. You can't stop yourself from doing that. So if you accept, right? Ladies and gentlemen, if you accept, when I tell you that these flowers are going to make your life better, if you accept that, now you can't stop yourself from expecting. Because it's not you who's doing that. This is what I try to explain to you in the morning. This whole cosmos is governed by the principle of cause and effect. You can think, if you want, that it is you who has control over things. But the truth is, the reason that you feel that you're in control of it is also because of cause and effect. How about that? You know, I I was trying to explain in the morning that this is a, a feeling, right? This is a a perception that you have, that you are an entity who is in control of things. Do you know the reason why that that feeling comes into being? It's because of cause and effect. Can you see the irony in that? That which is born out of causes gives you the impression that you are independent of cause and effect. That's like a child who believes that he didn't come from his parents. You know, when we were young and we didn't understand how we came into this world, you know, you didn't know that it was your mother and father who, you, who brought you into this world. Think about those days. And then for, all of a sudden when they said, you know, no, you know, mother and father is who brought you into this world. And they explained how that happened. You know, that, that's when it, it clicked. Ah, okay. So that's how new life is born. The thing with this, this feeling of a self that you have, this, this feeling of a, of a self that you have, this perception of a self that you have, is it only happens because of cause and effect. So to think that I am independent of cause and effect is complete madness. Then the Buddha goes on to talk about attachment. And as I try to explain to you right at the end of today's talk in the morning, Attachment only happens because you don't know that attachment leads to suffering. One of the most fascinating things that I absolutely adore about Buddhist philosophy is is that that principle, that it is ignorance that is the root of all of this. Because when you know it's ignorant, let me put it this way. Ignorance, this is my my definition of ignorance, okay? Ignorance is not knowing what ignorance is. Think about it. (laughs) That's like a riddle, isn't it? What is ignorance? The ignorance of? Ignorance. Because someone who understands what ignorance is, is no longer ignorant. What is the cause of suffering? The immediate cause? Attachment. What causes attachment? Ignorance. Now you know that. Are you ignorant? No. Now you know that you are no longer ignorant. So if you are no longer ignorant, do you have attachment? No. If there is no attachment, what else is there not? Suffering. See? So what do you have to do? Walk on fire? Hang yourself on hooks? Go once a year to India? Or go around the Bodhi tree? I'm not saying there are bad things to do. Do them, it's fine. They'll give you merits, they'll earn you merits. If you do it with good intention. Devotion, respect and all that are good stuff. Right, I respect my teacher. I respect the Buddha. I respect the Sangha. And I do everything I can. But that is for the purpose of merits. But Nibbana is wholly based in wisdom. And what is wisdom? Knowledge. Right knowledge. That's why the Buddha says, the path of Nibbana begins with samadhi. Once you have embarked on that journey, you cannot be stopped because you can't not think about what you know. You can't not know what you know. No? How can you not know what you know? I mean, you could be made to forget something, right? But this is a comprehension. It is not dependent on your memory. Understanding of the truth is not something that is based on memory. You may forget the words for it. So once you've understood the Four Noble Truths, you may forget that they are called the Four Noble Truths. You may forget the word Anicca. You may forget the word dukkha. You may forget the word Anatta. You may forget the word attachment, desire, Nibbana. You might even forget all those words. But they are just words to describe what you understand. That understanding, that cannot be taken from you. Empowering or not? Totally. That's why here we have to present to you something that's going to let you free. I want for you to take away something, which once you do, you won't even need to come back here. So we are not in the business of thank you for visiting, please come again. (laughs) This is not a barber's, you know, like a doctor, can you imagine that in a doctor's clinic if they had had a board to say, thank you for visiting, please come again. Any good doctor shouldn't shouldn't be saying that, right? I'm the best doctor in the world, my patients keep coming back. So if here we give you a remedy, for the mental problem then it should be our wish that we never get to see your face again. That's not because we don't like you. That's because we like for you to not need to come here. In fact it would be even better if you could bring someone else here so that they could also be shown the truth. Once you've understood the truth, then it's you on your own, do it. We can guide you, you know, once you've seen your destination, I can guide you and say maybe try these things, try those things, you know, maybe do a bit more of this, maybe a, less, a little less of that I Can guide you. But once you've seen your destination, I, I, there's nothing for me to show it to you twice. So the first thing we need to understand, happiness is inbuilt. It's there. You all have it. So uh, please don't come to me asking for happiness. I don't have it. I haven't stolen your happiness in your sleep. Right? Like Peter Pan. <laughs> uh, you don't need to come to Tinseltown looking for it. It's not in Jethvanadam Right? Your happiness is with you. All I'm trying to show you is it's there. Look, see it's there. Stop trying to look for it. Stop going after it. And you can't stop it just like that until you understand the truth. That truth is what I'm trying to share with you. So, this is a bit of a preamble as to what we are here about. Because we have some new visitors today as well. That's good. So, I'm trying to share with you this is what we are after. Attachment is a cause of suffering. That attachment you cannot stop from happening with inside to your mind because attachment is a function of the mind. It's something that the mind does. Okay, it's a function of the mind and that attachment cannot be stopped if there are causes that cause it to happen, that lead to it. And what are those causes? The expectation or the belief that your happiness is on the outside. That happiness has to be made, that it has to be produced, that it has to be an, it is an artificial thing that you have to go and you know, you have to go shopping for it. So, sure, should you stop going sh- shopping? No, do your shopping.
1: Because I don't have
0: answers for the physical problems that you have. Your hunger, you need to go shopping for that. For shelter, you need to go shopping for that. If you're physically ill, you need to go shopping for that. But if you're looking for mental happiness, don't go shopping for that. It's with you. So to convince yourselves of that truth, keep questioning. Every time someone tells you, "This is going to make you happy," I mean, you know, when someone comes up to you like a, a door-to-door salesman, right? Do you believe everything and anything they say? Hmm? Oh, good morning, madam. Look what I have for you today. Huh? Or say, uh, you know, they come up to me and say good morning sir look what I have for you these are the finest hairbrushes (laughs) that you can buy in the market I have no need for it even if they said they had something that I have a need for you know any person with any modicum of intelligence will 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 question you know when they are giving a marketing pitch when they are given a marketing pitch right a sales pitch you will always question that Is this the truth? Can I I accept this as true? Just because someone's got a smile on their face don't think they're happy. Remember that as a lesson for life. Just because someone's got a smile on their face don't think they're happy. There are lots of people who've got a smile on their face but they're not happy. And then they'll tell you I'm happy because I've done this. But don't accept it just because. Just like I don't want you to accept that I am happy just because I tell you I am. Ask them. Prove to me that in doing this, you have you are today happy. As I as the good lady just mentioned a, a, a moment ago. You know we've learned that getting into a relationship, and this is a, a really simple example I'm using because it's something that we have all experienced in our lives, most of us at least, right? We have learned from others. We have, because we've seen our adults do that. We've seen elders do that, other people do that. And you know, if we know our school days, our friends, this is all they keep going on about, right? Nothing yet, what's new? They keep on asking, right? So, so we are in peer pressure. And we, we begin to wonder if life cannot be complete without another person you know you can substitute another person with absolutely anything whether that's chocolate ice cream food clothing anything right i'm just using one example it's down to you to substitute you with anything you want so people that we have associated uh, asatpurush, purusha people that we've associated they're, they're not said that because they're bad or they're evil or they're vile it's because they're ignorant And the problem with ignorance is, you don't know, you're ignorant. That's the problem with ignorance. It's like an undiagnosed cancer. It's killing you on the inside, but you don't know it's doing it to you. Until you find out about it, there's nothing you will do about it either. Yes or no? Yeah. So what's worse than an unidentified cancer? Ignorance. Because the cancer will kill you in this birth, You know, actually the truth is a cancer will kill you, ignorance will not let you die. (laughs) Agreed? So which one is more ominous? It's ignorance. Like say for example you've lied about something, right? And then you feel guilty about it, you shouldn't have lied. but, but, But you know, in the circumstances, You know, in the circumstances, there was no other choice. So, you know, I didn't do it with bad intention either. You know, it it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Actually, it was all right. I did the right thing. Yes, that was not a lie. Therefore, (laughs) tell me you've never done that. Am I the only one who's (laughs) who's lived on this planet? So even a lie, when said over and over and over again, it becomes the truth. So when ten people tell you something is true, you will accept it. And the problem is no one said otherwise. Because we live among people who believe that you know those are the things that you need to do to make yourselves happy. So they'll keep on saying it. Uh, is it because they're bad? No. In fact, here's my, my argument. Say your uncle, okay? It might be that your uncle at some point convinced you, Puta, you know, it's high time, right? You know, I think you should find someone, okay? If they honestly and genuinely believe that that was what was gonna make you happy, they should be saying that, shouldn't they? Otherwise you can question, you know, does he not love me? he doesn't care about you then that's so why i need you to look at this you know very broadly and compassionately so just because someone is an asat purusha and we understand who an asat purusha is today it doesn't mean that you can now begin to start to hate them they've only done that because they thought that was right for you they just didn't know that's why in Buddhist in buddhism we only have compassion loving kindness equanimity Right? These are the things, the, the four noble abodes. There's no anger. There's no, how dare you, you fooled me. I didn't know. Think about the Buddha himself. You know, until he became the Buddha, he had no understanding of anicca dukkha anatta. He didn't know the truth. Until he became the Buddha, do you think he would have gone around telling people, no, no, you know what, give up. It's 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 meaningless, it's pointless. You know, plenty of times in his previous births, he would have convinced people, what, that this, the existence is so good, you need to go after these things, you need to do those things, you need to do those things, right? Do these things, you know, buy yourself some flowers, whatever. He would have done the same. That's why I said in the morning sermon today, you know, with what I understand today, I feel like swallowing back some of the things that I said. I myself, I'm guilty of it. Then I didn't do them because I was a bad person. I only did it because I was ignorant. But now I know the truth. I do exactly what I did back then. I try and share with you what I think is the path to happiness. And that is what I will always try and do. To share with you what I think is the path to happiness. I need you to do the same with yourselves. Keep questioning. Keep, Keep an open mind. Always keep questioning. Just because someone says, Don't take it as gospel truth and do the same for others. Help others to see what you have seen. Because it may be what you have seen is true, it may be what you have seen is not the truth. We don't know that for sure until something else comes along. It is the nature of science, right? Science is only true until it is proven false, yeah? They said at one point that the uh, indivisible particle was the atom. Who was that? Rutherford, if I remember right. And then some other guy came along and said, no, 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 it's not those. Now you have protons, neutrons, electrons and so on. Then they said, no, 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 it's not that you have quarks. And then uh, again, sometimes they put, actually it's all energy. (laughs) See, so we are happy to accept the scientific method. So why not here? So only accept what I tell you is true until it is proven otherwise. But until as for as long as you understand or you accept that this is the truth, do what you need to do to follow this path. So don't wait until one fine day you are presented with the absolute truth that you know is unquestionable. That day is never going to come. Because even if the Buddha were to come and preach to you today, I say, keep your options open. Because how do you know that is the Buddha? You only know you are a Buddha when you become one. So you know you are an Arahant when you become one. You understand, you know you have understood the truth when you have understood the truth. The problem with ignorance is also the same. You don't know when you are ignorant. So it may be that you are still ignorant. And so am I. But that is not for us to lose faith in everything. Because just because, you know, think about a- any other situation in life, what you accept as true for the time being, you will you will do that, won't you? And the same with Buddhist philosophy. Please keep your options open. If someone else comes and says, No, this is not what you need to be, doing something else. Keep your options open. But don't convert and don't stick to this either. Always be open, always be free. So I need to conclude for today. In conclusion, I wanted to share with you a few thoughts. First, I'm not here to bestow upon you religion. Therefore, you can bring along your friends who are not of the Buddhist faith. And we have from time to time visitors who come to us. We just give them the truth. Take it. Or leave it, if it doesn't work today, come back tomorrow. This is all about freedom of choice, and more importantly, the choice of of freedom. Therefore, please come with an open mind. Always have your questions with you and try and find answers to them. Be considerate always to other ideas, to new ideas, to fresh ideas. That way you are never disadvantaging yourself because the next person you might meet could be the Buddha, the actual Buddha, the Supreme Buddha. Right? And you would be shooting yourself in the foot if you were to think, no, that's it, you know, I'm done. I don't need anyone else to come and correct me because you might be completely wrong because that is the nature of ignorance. Yeah, That's the nature of ignorance. You don't know you're ignorant. And make it your life's purpose to find the purpose of your pursuit not the object of your pursuit, remember that. Please understand that anything and everything you are doing in your day to day existence are simply pursuits for one purpose. Don't be fooled that the object is what you have been going after. It is not what your purpose should be, your purpose is happiness. And if you are convinced now that your purpose is happiness, please, please, please always question, is this object truly going to help me achieve my purpose? If not, let it pass. Use it for what it's there. As I said, you know, the way, one way you can test something is try it and see if it helps you achieve what it it says on the tin. Same goes for Buddhist philosophy. It says this you can use to... Free yourself from suffering. Try it and see if it does that. If it doesn't, please don't stay here. Go. If on listening to these talks, if you come, keep coming here regularly and listen to these talks and you still you know, haven't achieved you know, the tiniest amount of happiness and your suffering is still the same, then you know this is not working for you. Try something else. But keep that as a guiding principle for your life. and then i told you that suffering is a fabrication happiness is yours it's just there it's right where you are you don't need to go anywhere for it but if you accept someone's word a word of an asat purusha is it because they're bad no only because they're ignorant because they think they're doing what is right right so you need actually you need to you need to be grateful to them for that they're only doing that because they think that it's the right thing Right? Imagine someone who knows that this is the right the right thing for them and the right thing for you, but they won't tell you about it. You won't hang around people like that. Hypocrites. So that's why I say, you know, it's not down to you to now go and hate your parents. Because my parents said, you know, earn money and go and do jobs and you know, go and travel places and get married, how dare they, no, 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 no. They said that to you because they thought that was what was going to make them happy, because they thought that was what made them happy. So they kept on encouraging you, you know, try this, try that, maybe try this, maybe try the other, maybe try changing your course, maybe get married to someone else, try getting a divorce, whatever, you know, they did whatever they they thought was right, and they, they, they advise you do the same. Only because they thought that was the right thing to do. So actually, we should be grateful to all of them. In fact, anyone and everyone who's come into our life has given us a reason for them, for us to be grateful to them. You know Devadatta, right? Are you not grateful? It is because of Devadatta today you have the Buddha. No Devadatta, no Buddha. So if that can be said for Devadatta, then it can be said for anyone who's come into your lives. The best of friends and the worst of enemies should not really be considered enemies. They've all come into your lives and given you something to learn from, to take from. I ended on the point that it is attachment that causes this suffering. And how that attachment comes into being is, again, through ignorance. Not knowing that attachment is what causes suffering, is what causes attachment and therefore suffering. So, when you understand this philosophy, this principle, that in itself is the answer to uprooting ignorance and therefore attachment and therefore suffering. So the answer is in the problem. As I say, it's like a riddle. But it's, it's all there. It's all in one nice neat package. You don't need to go anywhere. It's very subtle. But it's not complicated. So why should we keep doing this? Why am I? Pra- what am I doing by practicing this? It's not something we are used to. Over the years, over many lifetimes, we've been practicing something else, and therefore it has become second nature to expect things from the outside. So therefore, just because your view has been corrected, doesn't mean internally you are fixed. That takes a while. So first, you have the view that needs to be corrected which is the bit that I can, I can help you do. The second bit, your practice is something you have to do on your own. There, I can only guide you and give you some practical hints and tips that I can't do on your behalf. You are on your own there. When you do that, over time, the problem will be solved. Okay? Right. So we'll conclude for today. You will have an opportunity to go and maybe not today. It's too late for that. Because we wanted to, uh, I wanted to really draw the line at 11 and send you off to the Dhamma hall where our monks would be coming on Pindapatha so you can get involved in offering alms. But unfortunately, time passed and I couldn't see the clock from where I am. Next time, I should have a clock here so I can stop the sermon at 11 and give you the chance to do that. So we'll do it next week, don't worry. Um, that will help you earn lots of merits. Because in giving, you get. And it's not just feeding someone. Now that we had passed, I'll give you this as well. Something extra because you missed that. So it's always an investment. You never walk away empty-handed. You're not just feeding someone. You're feeding a purpose. That purpose is eradication of suffering. That is why in making that offering, you're fooling the fire that will burn away desire. You're fueling the fire that will burn away delusion and you're fueling a fire that's going to burn away aversion. Delusion, aversion and sorry, desire, aversion and delusion ragadvesha Moham. The fires have been ignited within those bodies, in those minds. That fire has been ignited. What you're doing is fueling them. Because without food, you can't sustain yourself. You can't continue that path, right? So, when you make that offering, have that purpose in mind. If you came along to the Vesak program, right? Some, some I remember some of your faces. I, 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 I reminded you to do the Sambuddha Gunapuja, remember? Don't think of what you're offering as an item of food, or Just just the food, you know, whether that's milk rice or curry or whatever. Think of the the, the value that it has. There's a, there's, a, there's a virtue, there's, there's something that it offers, not the food item, but what it does to you. That's why it has, an, it has a value in it, an inherent value. Think about that and offer that, is what I said. Much the same way, whenever you offer something to someone, even at home, make someone a cup of tea. Don't think of it just as being a tea. Think about what that does. What does this tea do to the person I offer it? So therefore, you're making an offering of purpose. Not just an offering of an of an item of food or a, or a robe or a pitcher, right? Think about the purpose behind it, because that is what you need. That purpose that they are fulfilling, that is what you need. So what you give is therefore what you shall get. Okay, all right. Let's take a moment then to transfer the merits, and we will bring the sermon to a close today. <clears throat> Let us take a moment then to transfer the maids we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, listen to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching, and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and Upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the Noble lineage. In the form of the care, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand, and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer maids we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these maids to our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery as well as all the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let's take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be there by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others, or inviting others to join them. And may, through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane. May, through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of nibbāna. Sadhu Sāda, Sāda. The also transfer transformation we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasanga. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasanga with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those of you who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. May it to the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nirvana. Sādhu, Sādhu, Sādhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, and nieces, our elders, friends, and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape, or form. And by the power of these maids, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the Noble Eightfold Path. And attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer to the devas, brahmanas, spirits, and demons, primarily the Sakkadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambuddha Sasana. Let us transfer these maids to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may the power of these maids prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble Eightfold Path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer these to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been our families, friends and acquaintances in this infinite long journey in Sansara and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us in every way, shape or form they could. Let us transfer these mails to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nations. And, to, and may all those who lost their lives in the war, be their friend or foe, rejoice in the measures that we have acquired today. Let us also transmits to all those who've lost their lives in natural calamities such as the tsunamis earthquakes landslides pandemics including the most recent and prevailing one reminding ourselves that among them will be those who've been friends family to us in this long journey in samsara let us take a moment to transfer merits to them and may, to the power of these menace if any of them have been born in the woeful plains redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain may they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds fulfill the meritorious deeds fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of nibban Sadhu finally let us all resolve that may, through the power and blessings of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may, through the power and power of all the meds we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who helped make this program a success, become one of those Arahatan Muhanse the and theranin Muhanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all.